Welcome to the Keep Kenya Learning podcast. This is the first part of the story of the Keep Kenya Learning campaign. We share our successes, mistakes, and learning experiences as we use mobile technology and the internet to minimize the impact that COVID-19 has on education in Kenya. You can learn more about our work at keepkenyalearning.com, follow us on Twitter at Learning Kenya, and find us on Instagram and Facebook. We are at Keep Kenya Learning. My name is Tracy, Chief Storyteller at Keep Kenya Learning. This isn't a sci-fi podcast, but let's time travel for a bit. Our first stop being more than 10 years ago, precisely 14 years ago, all the way back to 2007. Why would I go back to such a violent time in Kenyan history, you ask? It'll make sense later, trust me. I don't know how old you were in 2007, but I was eight years old. Halfway through my primary school education in class four when my only worries were missing the four o'clock cartoon and figuring out what tales I was going to spin in my next English paper for my teacher's entertainment. Simpler times. Then the country went into a dark period, post-election violence. I remember traveling up country, the transport fares were hiked as they do in peak season and emergency season, shops were closed and all burnt down, and for the next few months, we stayed indoors. Sound familiar? And even after schools reopened for new terms, not everyone came back because of unavoidable circumstances. Think of IDPs, internally displaced persons, and those who, like me, had traveled up country and had no means to go back to school. Our second time travel destination happens to be in the year 2020. If it was early 2019, I'd have the corny privilege of saying 2019 BC, before Corona. The first case of COVID-19, which was confirmed on the 12th of March 2020, was the first one to be reported in Kenya since the beginning of the outbreak in China, December 2019. And from that point on, Kenya joined the spiral into the pandemic times. Shortly after, on March 15, 2020, the Kenyan government abruptly closed all schools and colleges nationwide in response to COVID-19, disrupting nearly 17 million learners countrywide. And for the next few months, through lockdowns, curfews, and cessation of movement, we once again found ourselves in the same boat, only this time for a much longer time, as the government had shut down schools indefinitely. And even when they opened back up, some learners did not go back to school because of one reason or another. Okay, so time travel complete. We're back in 2021, a year after COVID became a part of our daily lives, It's time to evaluate our journey through time and figure out what do these two instances have in common, while in both, there were major occurrences that hugely impacted the education and calendar system, and people, mostly parents, caregivers, and their children, had to adapt accordingly to their new normal. There have most likely been other incidences that disrupted learning in one way or another, right? either from a wider world or country point of view, or even narrowed down to personal experiences too. And the thing with these incidences is, yes, I'm about to throw in one of those overused COVID jargon vocabulary terms. The thing with these incidences is that they are unprecedented. No one prepares you for them. In an ideal science fiction world, we'd probably have the seers who glimpse into the future and tell us when to prepare for these disasters. But in this world, however, disasters come at you with no warning like a deer in headlights and you're left feeling uncertain of what your next move should be. The one gift that we do have as humans, however, is our brains. 
The ability to notice patterns and think of ways to be prepared should the sequence keep on repeating itself. After noticing this pattern of disrupted learning at a large-scale point of view, in cases of political unrest, natural disasters, and in this case, pandemics, and in small scale too, such as when it affects individual families, maybe because of loss in the family, finances, or a plethora of other reasons, we thought it best to reach out and ask questions. Global health emergencies and emergencies at large can impact men and women differently due to gender norms. COVID had a huge impact on both the economical and the social lives of primary caregivers, most of whom we noticed were women. Overall, the lockdowns and closures caused an increased workload for women and girls, who are often the main caregivers in their homes in Kenyan communities. Given that the division of work is already unequal, it meant that COVID-19 further exposed the vulnerabilities and had very negative effects on women's opportunities due to the large burden of unpaid care work that fell upon them. They had to balance one, societal roles, or what are more known as traditional ones, which is taking care of the household and ensuring children are well catered for, to two, economic roles, that they had to earn a living too and fend for the needs of their families. Then there's also three. They now had to take care of yet another role. Now that schools were closed, they had to become teachers too. We had their frustrations about lack of clarity on whether they should continue learning, what they should be learning, and how to find the right resources. As we dove deeper into their needs, we discovered that caregivers really needed support to build their own confidence to lead learning at home. They also hungered for a community of other caregivers with whom they could share stories and address challenges. And that is the story of how the brainchild that is Keep Kenya Learning came into being. Keep Kenya Learning is a collaborative initiative between over 60 organizations dedicated to support learning through caregiver engagement. When the school year was officially cancelled, we reached out to parents and caregivers to understand what they needed to help their learners at home. Today, we're taking a deep dive into a day in the life of caregivers during the pandemic. COVID-19 had disruptions across the board. On social order, where there was an imaging of issues that parents didn't have earlier on, and now they did when their children were at home, such as childcare while they were at work. Zam? A dedicated social worker and a gift to society shed some light on how COVID-19 had shifted a lot in their lives, including their schedules, which had psychological and emotional impact on them and their mental health states. Jina langu ni Zam Obed, mimi ni mhudumu wa kijamii. Nina watoto watatu, mdogo ana umri wa miaka 4 na nusu, mwingine ana mwaka 11 na nusu. Na huyo mwingine ana miaka 18. Shule zilipofungwa kwa sababu ya COVID ilikuwa changamoto sana. Manake wakati huo watoto hawafai kutengamana na watoto wengine kucheza. Wanafaa kukaa nyumbani. Alafu wewe mzazi pia makazi watu wengi kazi zili stop. Kwa hivyo uko pale inakuwa ni stress. Okay, wakati wa COVID ikianza, first and foremost, nilikuwa na wafunza. What is COVID? Manake, iyo COVID ilikuja tu na the children, they had a lot of questions. So I had to teach them what is COVID, how is it transmitted, and how they can take care of themselves. So, 
I, I did that for some times and also checking their mental health was affected because they were always asking, when are we going back to school? So I taught them that first. Then we started going through their books one by one. And anytime I leave from home, I give them, everybody, some work to do. Yeah. A lot of research and consideration was put into the formation and implementation of Keep Kenya Learning's approach, which brings us to our question of the day. How practical is online or distance learning in Kenya? I think it's important to address the problems that arose and became evident during COVID-19 pandemic. First, due to loss of livelihoods, particularly in low-income households, some children have been forced to income-generating activities to support their family's survival. In such poverty-stricken areas, securing food takes precedence over learning. In addition, there has been an increase in sexual exploitation, with young girls engaging in transactional sex in order to gain not only access to essential needs like sanitary towels, but also to support their families. This has highly contributed to what is now known as the shadow pandemic. Early and unplanned teenage pregnancies, which have been projected to be on the rise during COVID-19, thus contributing to loss and disruption in learning. There's also the challenge of devices where either shortages or poor quality is affecting consistent access. Further, the change of learning from in-person to online has had an emotional and psychological effect on the children. This is affecting engagement. There was also the economic disruption on the caregivers' sources of income, which affected their ability to provide for their families, let alone continued learning. We listened to Ryle, a caregiver of six and an amazing primary school teacher, who talked about how it affected both them and their students and how they compensated for it by assisting parents with school assignments and revision material. As for the alternative sources of income, teachers like Ryle activated the entrepreneurial sides and offered skills such as teaching, for hire as tuition teachers or their cooking skills on catering services and started businesses that didn't always flourish. I'm Rai Latin. I'm a mother of four children and taking care of other two. So I have six children under me. I'm an ECD teacher. Actually, I was so much worried because now, you see, when they're, they're all in the house, we may scare the number, there are six in the house. So that means the expenditure in Gendaju, but there's no income. Remember, I'm a teacher. To Ashule and Saizo to go home. We were not being paid. Here, the children are in the house. They want lunch. Uh, every time, Wakicheza Kidogo, Naskianja. So that was a major challenge to us. And also, they spent so much time watching TV cartoons. So, Masomoyao somehow will end at Chini. Yeah. Well, we were meeting the parents at once in a week to give them the holiday, the, the holiday work. We prepared some work for them, so they were just coming to pick what to do and then they bring back for marking. By 2019, Kenya was supposed to have been digitally ready. The government launched a 24.6 billion laptop project with the aim to bridge digital learning in Kenyan schools. The devices were supplied to some schools, but others were not, as it turned out to be too expensive. Additionally, some schools that had received them had no prior expertise on how to use them. Thus, implementation was very ineffective. Had this initiative been well thought out and effectively implemented, Kenyan students would have had a better experience with learning during COVID-19. 
From the data that we gathered, we quickly realized that there is no one size fits all when it comes to learning, from different methods to styles to how best to access resources. Our mission became to ensure learners, regardless of where they were on the economic scale, could have access to learning resources so everyone can have access to learning. In later episodes, we dive more into the experiences with the Keep Kenya Learning campaign. As Kenyans, however, we are known to be quite resourceful. I mean, with Mauritius, South Africa, and Kenya ranked as the most innovative countries in Africa, it's safe to assume so. Caregivers and parents found ways and means to navigate this pandemic and did, in fact, keep their children learning through their own creative means, all while juggling their economic responsibilities. We spoke to Elizabeth, a hardworking business lady who lives in one of the communities within which the Cape Kenya Learning Campaign has had significant reach. She speaks of how their lives were disrupted. Naito Elizabeth Okelo. Nikona watoto wawili. Moja firstborn ako grade one. Secondborn ako PP1. Nilisika vibaya sana. Jiwa tuko tumezao kana watoto. Sasa mtoto narudu na shinda nae kwa nyumba. So... Niano tu mtoto alirudia kakaa chini kabisa kasau kuandika kusoma mambo na kitabu alienda kasahau. Mm, ilibidi nitafute tu walimu wao at least nionge nao kama naweza fanyishwa tuition. Kana alipa 30 bob daily. Viviana Chiang, a customer care professional who's a caregiver of four, also spoke on the hassles of balancing work and their children's education. Naitwa Viviana Chiang, nafanya customer care. Yes, so it was a challenge because you know I have to work and also I have to take care of the kids. I have two off days, so sometimes it's easier. And then, if depending on my shift, I either have time in the morning or in the afternoon to work with them. Sometimes they usually get I get assistance from my mom or my my other sister. Okay, I was worried mostly because I have four kids and the four kids I I only have one TV, so. I was worried, like, you see, sometimes the, the, other, the, other, the other kids, they want to watch something different, and the other ones want to watch something dif- different. So, like, it was a challenge to bring them together and understand that, and advise them, this is, this is what you need to watch at this time, and this is what you need to watch at this other time. So, yes. The only cost that I incurred is in the installation of Wi-Fi, so I have to pay 1500 every month. Yes, but it's not a big challenge for now. Okay, niko nili ilibidi niko na simu ingine. So size niko na TV, niko na simu yangu na simu ingine. So it's easy. Hata wao mwingine sometimes akienda kucheza akirudi baadaye au wengine watakopea wametumia. So to answer our question of the day, how accessible is online learning? According to Josephine, it depends on a number of factors. It's possible, uh-huh. but uh-huh. it needs much guidance, parental guidance, uh-huh. yes. So if we get that, we are educated on how to take care of these kids, uh-huh. ensure they are safe online, uh-huh. that one will be, will be much better. Uh-huh. And also, if they can be able to help at the, uh, give a program where also we can educate these kids, uh-huh on the same and what is supposed what they are supposed to uh, watch and what is suppo- what they are not supposed to watch online and we get those skills on how to know that these kids has accessed bad, bad things online yes okay that is why i'm saying that it was so challenging because now even these kids who are in different schools 
I was overworking. The work that the teacher is supposed to take is now, it's like I'm the teacher, I'm the parent, and I'm <laughs> everything yeah. to these kids, yes. All these issues that Zam, Josephine, Rao, and Vivian have raised are so important to us at Keep Kenya Learning, and we are committed to continue improving the program based on their feedback. So it is possible to access online learning in Kenya. As long as the infrastructure put into place is effective, learners have access to devices and with affordable internet services. As for the supervision gap on internet use, it's not the children's fault that they tend to get distracted, as Josephine said with the examples of the children that she takes care of. This, therefore, seems to be the next challenge that online learning must confront. My name is Tracy. See you on the next episode of the Keep Kenya Learning Podcast. joining us on our journey to keep kenya learning if you need access to any learning resources and materials visit keepkenyalearning.com or email us at info at keepkenyalearning.com 